Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So smooth, so sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort or 1,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet. Nobody picks him up. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Michael Leboff. Joining me, as always, my colleagues and friends, Anthony DeBundo and BJ Cunningham. And gentlemen, a big week, big weekend coming up uh, in the Premier League. The title race is still on. The relegation battle is still on. The race for the top four is still on. And uh, two teams, one fighting for the title and one fighting for a chance to break into the top four Liverpool and Tottenham is the headliner Liverpool home uh, favorites minus 220 Spurs coming back six to one at the current price uh, the draw here is plus 390 I think uh, a lot of times you'll hear you've heard me say this throughout the season there are just some teams that when they hit a certain number it just you just should bet them right like they're Tottenham at six to one is probably going to pay off those odds more more than the odds imply and I think that's the case here. I'll keep it simple. Uh, we, we've talked about this Liverpool team uh, and the, the things, the signals that are pointing that away from them, this is their 11th match in 35 days. They've been playing such high stakes soccer for basically since the new year. Um, there's just advanced to the Champions League final against Real Madrid. At some point, it's got to come undone. But it, I mean, it, they keep proving me wrong, but I'll, I'm going to try it again. Uh, and this time with a, with a, really good team maybe the the fourth best team in 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 the league so i'll take those odds on tottenham uh any day so anthony uh you're a spurs fan off the pod you were saying you might like liverpool more than spurs you're having that internal debate you might be jumping ship it seems like but um do you see a path to success here for tip top tottenham yeah tip top tottenham uh they were tip top tottenham on sunday i have never said that i like liverpool more than spurs i would never say that I just said I like Liverpool. I dislike Liverpool the least of all the top six teams from a personal point of view. Uh, I project Liverpool minus 190 here. They're sitting around minus 220. I do show a little bit of value on the over as well, but I'm going to be targeting the both teams to score an over two and a half uh, parlayed together minus 105. I bet this the first time these two teams played and it was uh, a pretty easy win. Uh, Spurs dominated the match. They had three and a half expected goals, which is the most anybody's put up on Liverpool this season. Now you have to, Kind of put a little asterisk there because one, Van Dyke did not play. Uh, the midfield for Liverpool was Morton, Milner, and Keita. So no Tiago, no Fabinho, no Henderson. They had a COVID issue, I think it was at the time. But Spurs also weren't playing, you know, their best midfield at the time. It might have been with Ndombele, Winks, and then Deli Alley. But now, of course, we're expecting Hoiberg, Benton Kerr uh, to to kind of hold down the fort in the middle. So it really comes down to Tottenham and how well they're able to exploit Liverpool's high line because we've seen there's been some cracks with Liverpool when teams have been able to get in behind. They played a few teams where they completely dominated. Newcastle didn't really have a striker on the pitch for the first hour. I thought that was a weird approach from Eddie Howe, very defensive, kind of made it pretty easy for them. 
Uh, but Liverpool also dominated that match. And then uh, we saw them against Villarreal. They struggled when they got pressed, but otherwise were otherwise, uh, you know, pretty good control of the match. So it really comes down to Kane coming short, drawing in the center backs, his ability to play with the ball at his feet, turn, send in Son, get the wing backs in, Kulisevsky. I think that it's a pretty viable path. I mean, it may not come off. It doesn't always come off for, for Spurs, but when it does, I mean, they're a lethal transition attacking team, counterattacking team. Uh, they can pick apart any defense in the world. So I agree with Michael. I do think Spurs are live here. I think they've got a good chance to get a result. Now, historically, they have not played well at Liverpool. If you go back through the history, ask any Spurs fan, it's been a lot of fluky losses, weird losses. They went to Anfield uh, the year that uh, last year and kind of blew it in stoppage time. And then a couple of years ago was the Aldevero own goal in stoppage time. And they've had some weird games there. Uh, but overall, I think Spurs are going to be in this match. I do think it probably ends, you know, 2-1, 3-2 to Liverpool. I think they're definitely the better side, of course, at home. But uh, if I did have to take a side, it would be Spurs plus a goal and a quarter. But yeah, I'm taking the both teams to score over two and a half here. Um, something that I think I overlooked with Tottenham uh, in terms of like the big picture look at their entire season is they're now up to uh, fourth in the premier league in terms of creating expected goals. Um, and that includes obviously their first, what, two or three months under, under Nuno. So uh, they, their offense has really started to gel or did start to gel under Antonio Conte and, and never really slowed down. And we talked about how they, they were overperforming compared to the XG for, for quite a bit. Um, so there is always that to worry about, but w- with zone, with, with Kane, uh, there is always a path to success against, especially against Liverpool, a team that that they do take risks, right? Like so, so Tottenham should have opportunities to counterpunch here. Uh, and like I said, when this when you get a number like this uh, with a team this good, you just you just should take it. BJ, anything for you here? Reds, Spurs. Yeah, I'm I'm dead on with the projection here. I have minus two twenty on Liverpool here at home. It's hard because. I agree that Tottenham definitely has the counterattacking pieces to give Liverpool a lot of problems, but Tottenham is also a team that doesn't provide much resistance. They're bottom five in pass per defensive action. They're near the bottom in terms of high turnovers. And like we saw what Villarreal was able to do was to take the game right to them, press Liverpool, force them into making quick passes going forward. And, you know, eventually Liverpool got through, but it caused them a lot of problems to begin with. With Tottenham not being able to do that, it concerns me that they're going to get pinned in for a large majority of this match. Now, again, like I already said, they have the pieces to be able to hit them on the counter, but I'm worried that Liverpool is just invincible. Like I, we, we saw a little chink in the armor in that first half. It was, I was, I know we were all just really pumped up about Villarreal and then Liverpool, whatever the halftime talk was, whatever the conversation was, it worked because Villarreal didn't have a shot for the entire second half and Liverpool completely dominated the match. So we're going on 13 straight home wins for Liverpool, around a plus 27 expected goal differential over that time frame. Just insane amount of dominance. And, I mean, listen, they're healthy. They can rotate. They've been doing it for a long time now. I have some projected value on Liverpool minus one and a half at plus 130. I have their spread at minus 1.44. So I do have some value on Liverpool. I'm going to wait on the market because the market is starting to tick down a little bit. It, it, it you know, it's Liverpool did open at minus 230, so they're down about 10 cents right now. We'll see if the market comes back on Tottenham a little more. But I will say this. I know the North London Derby is next Thursday. I think in terms of stakes, this is the highest stakes match maybe left on the calendar for the Premier League season because whatever happens in this match, whether it be a draw or whoever wins, 
it almost eliminates one of the other teams from either the title race or the top four. So this is about as big as it gets for a Premier League match this late in the season. Yeah, one more thing I'll add is that I understand, you know, Spurs haven't faced the the midfield of Tiago Henderson and Fabinho, but I do think that there is that that path that you know, as much as I worry about the Spurs back line, and I think they are due to concede some more goals, and they've they've run a little bit fortunate uh, under Conte. Generally, when you look at the expected goals versus expected goals against, uh, or rather, goals against versus expected goals against, uh, I do think Spurs have played well in the matches against City, in the match against Liverpool. I think that gives me some optimism for how they may may fare on Saturday. But yeah, I mean, obviously. Spurs, they don't need to win it necessarily, but they definitely need to get something out of this match. And of course, Liverpool need to win chasing City. And I don't know that City are going to even drop points. But now after today, I mean, who knows where City's mindset is at? Yeah, I think uh, I was just writing it down. An interesting thing just to note, uh, Spurs, Newcastle, Moneyline, Parlay, 104 to 1, uh, if you if you want to go that route. And and really bet that that the soccer will get out of control. Um, all right, let's move on to the, uh, that. That's a 12.30 p.m. kickoff on Saturday, I should have noted. Uh, so let's go to the 10 a.m. There is no early kickoff on Saturday morning for us here in the States. So instead, we'll start with Brentford and Southampton in this block. The Bees plus 125 at home. Saints plus 220. The draw here is plus 250. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know what we're about to say. Brentford are a truck when they're playing at home. Uh, so right away, it does seem like Brentford is probably the value side here. Do have some concerns. It did seem like, you know, their their beautiful run of form has finally come to uh, a stop with uh, a loss to Manchester United, in which they weren't very good. Uh, I was expecting better out of Thomas Frank's side. Uh, but, like, you can't trust the Southampton team, especially at this price on the road. So I'll be uh, I'll be probably passing on this one unless, you know, something, something wonky happens. BJ, what about you? I'm happy to take Brentford at plus 125. I do think there's some value on it. Like, on the surface, this match pretty much means nothing to either side. They're both very comfortable, safe from, uh, safe from relegation. But even though I know Brentford had a bad performance on Monday, they're still the side that's in way better form in terms of these two. Plus 2.9 expected goal differential in their last eight matches, averaging around 1.5 uh, expected goals four per match, while Southampton over their last nine matches, minus seven expected goal differential, and they're allowing 1.72 expected goals per match. That's just a trend with Southampton. I've already mentioned it. One of the worst defenses over the second half of the season in the Premier League, 1.68 expected goals allowed per match. And you already mentioned it, Michael. It's the home road splits that we talk about all the time with Brentford, but also with Southampton. Brentford plus 4.9 expected goal differential at home. Southampton away from the St. Mary Stadium, minus 7.5 expected goal differential. Brentford is also fantastic. I don't think, I don't think a lot of people know this. They're fantastic at defending set pieces, only around 0.08 expected goals allowed per set piece, which is one of the best marks in the Premier League, which is obviously huge against James Ward Prowse, who can just completely flip a game on its head with his corners and free kicks. Uh, So I have Brentford at minus 113. uh, So I like the value on them at plus 125. Anthony, are you riding with, with the bees, a team that has become near and dear to our heart here on this show? Yeah, I lean that way. I'm not quite sure I'm going to play it though. Uh, I do have a saints ticket that is now officially in sweat mode here under 44 and a half. I think it is. And they're sitting at 40 with three games to go here. So I need, I need a couple of results to go my way. Not sure I want to keep adding because uh, it is a sizable ticket. So I'm, I'm kind of not sure how I'm playing this, uh, but I do lean toward the bees. Like BJ mentioned, 
I think the interesting thing, he mentioned how good defensively Brentford is on set pieces. Well, one, I'm not sure it even matters. Ward Prowse might just like break every team. You know, he just can't. He, he did can't it to, it. Yeah, he did it to Brighton, who's also a fantastic set piece defense. So I don't know, you know, but exactly. hey, it doesn't hurt to be good on set pieces. But Saints don't defend set pieces well. They're right. the worst in the league uh, in terms of allowing goals off of set pieces. And that's a major problem considering Brentford is one of the best at creating chances off of them. We even saw, even in the United defeat, a couple of their best chances came from set pieces, including the one where, you know, like Tony runs all the way or it's like, like a football play. They draw up the end around Tony runs the end around around the group and they send the long ball and he shanks the finish. But overall they, they do create a good number of chances from those. I make Brentford plus one Oh five. And, and really from a stylistic point of view, we have one defense who just doesn't concede big scoring chances. And we have one that concedes a lot of them. And that's always a scary thought if you were to try to back Southampton here. So it's Brentford or nothing for me, but probably going to end up being nothing. Uh, another Saturday morning kickoff, 10 a.m. Burnley plus 200 hosting Aston Villa plus 145. The draw here is plus 235. Of course, Burnley came off a, a huge comeback win. The, the Mike Jackson effect. My God, um, that team, they, they weathered the storm against Watford. Well, in that first half, it should have been maybe one uh, two nothing. I thought to the Hornets uh, within like the first 15 minutes. And then if you let this team hang around, they're showing that they will, uh, they'll punish you. And Burnley, um, now on 34 points along with Leeds, uh, Everton two points back in the last relegation spot, uh, but have a game in hand. We'll, we'll talk about that race a lot more later. Uh, for here, Anthony, you've been talking for a while that the time to uh, sell Burnley was coming. Do you think this is it? Like I really thought it was it, right? <laughs> like I looked at this and I was like, yeah, like Bill have been really struggling. Um, they've been playing well, but not getting any results. They finally got, I mean, they finally did get a result. They beat Norwich. Okay. I think it's really moving the needle much, but I mean, they're, they're like eighth best team under Gerard in the league, but they're sitting in 13th and they're closer to like 15th, 16th than they are, uh, you know, under Gerard in terms of return of points. So you, you compare the expected results of Gerard and what they have actually gotten. And you're like, eh, they've been pretty unlucky and, you know, we'll see what happens with Villa this year. It's going to be a really interesting team this summer. Do they keep Coutinho, blah, blah, blah. But in terms of this match, I mean, we have to sell Burnley at this point, right? Like, have Burnley been that much better? They've been better. And, I, you know, we were betting them and betting their overs because they've clearly been more open. But I also think they haven't played any team that has been on the verge of or, or able to really punish them for being more open. I mean, Southampton, we've talked about how much they're set-piece merchants. Then they play Wolves. Their attack is brutal. And then they get Watford who, you know, were up in that match until the last 10 minutes that were the better side. So I think this is the point now where Burnley have won three straight matches where they've been marginally better than their opponent in all three. They probably deserved two wins out of that. Like those performances, you know, you create four and a half expected goals. You allow about three and a half. You shouldn't win all three of those matches if we're going, you know, just on how this generally works. So I'm going to look to sell, but the number's not there. I mean, I thought I'd get like a pick them, but I got like 130 on the draw no bet line. So just a lean to Villa for me. Burnley goes up. I'm going to look to buy bet Villa for sure. Uh, but yeah, no no pregame play for me. I, I thought this was it. Maybe uh, then they have they go to Tottenham, then they go to Villa again. So we'll see how this goes. Uh, but the market's still not giving enough respect to the Clarets for me to fade them. Yeah, and it's I think part of it is that these the teams don't really know how to play against this version of the Burnley team almost, right? Like they've been playing against the same Burnley team for basically a decade under Sean Deitch and just little things here or there have changed a little bit. Uh, 
to, to kind of throw people off the scent. Nick Pope has been good, really good um, since uh, Jackson took over too. So uh, that's, that's been a key to their success. The next game we'll talk about is an interesting one because of the, the favorite involved here is Chelsea minus 275 uh, hosting Wolves plus 850. The draw here is four to one. A couple of things I've heard on just, you know, mainstream soccer podcasts is there's a narrative surrounding Chelsea now that the, the sanctions and the kind of weirdness of Roman Abramovich's uh, situation is, is affecting the team. Uh, it's crap. And, yeah. It's getting into it. And I think that is starting to, that could start to provide value in, in a, in a weird way on Chelsea and buying low, because I think people think that they're in a lot worse way than they actually are. Um, they can't, they're coming off a week where they drew United, but outplayed them. Uh, and then they lost to Everton and, and this Everton team, we'll touch on this later. I think we, we need to treat Everton and Burnley almost as outliers in terms of looking at no, like their predictive metrics throughout the season because of what's going on with them in the relegation fight. Uh, so I do think that Chelsea here is almost worth you know adding as a money line parlay piece or you know backing on the spread because Wolves have just shown nothing uh, since they've you know hit forty points and we're and then we're eliminated from really getting to uh, staying in the race for Europe. So they're zero three in their last three, uh, zero goals for five goals against and a one point four three expected goals for total over those three games, five point six two against. They just don't look, uh, they, they're on the beach, you know, like I think with some teams that that is that narrative is, is overstated with Wolves. It doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, so I, I think Chelsea rolls here uh, and I usually don't like laying with big favorites, but I don't mind Chelsea as a parlay piece. Uh, you can maybe look down the board with me, Crystal Palace, Arsenal uh, as the second piece. Um, but yeah, I'll be looking towards Chelsea here. BJ, what about you? Yeah, I'm actually really close to playing Chelsea as well. I, yeah, and more has to do with Wolves than, than Chelsea. I mean, Chelsea is very comfortably in third place. It's not a guarantee right now. Like, they could still slip back into the top four race. It's very unlikely at this point. But Wolves' last four matches have allowed 9.4 or last five matches have allowed 9.4 expected goals to Leeds, Aston Villa, Newcastle, Burnley, and Brighton. And over those five matches, they have only created, it looks like, around 2.5 expected goals. It's bad right now for, for Wolves. They it was never won, that good. It was never that good, <laughs> but they've only created over one expected goal once in their last nine matches. It's really bad. Now, this match, when they met the first time, if anybody remembers it, it was incredibly foggy. It was a very sleepy 0-0 draw. Not a lot was created on either end. Chelsea was coming off of a Champions League match in the midweek, so it was a weird spot for them. But I agree with you, Michael. Given the fact that Chelsea is not out of the woods yet, they still have to win to secure that third-place spot. Uh, I think this is very, very important for them. So, you know, I'm actually getting pretty close. Uh, I need, you know, minus 4.5 at plus 125 or better would be good enough for me to get 3.5% value. So, I'm definitely leaning towards Chelsea with you. It's not a, not a bad, like chase of minus two and a half kind of game right. either. Cause it does, it does just feel like a, a I mean, blowout. Wolves is just going to sit in and Chelsea's going to create three and a half expected goals. Just matter if the shots are going to go. And, and you know what? Jordan Pickford won't be playing a goal for, for Wolves. You know? <laughs> but Jose, yeah, but Jose yeah, exactly. will, Michael. Yeah. yeah Jose uh, so. saw might be the greatest goalie of all time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I think Pickford took that title from uh, the other day. Uh, Anthony, anything here, Chelsea and Wolves. Yeah, Chelsea, 2.2 post-shot expected goals. Did not score against Everton. So shout out to Pickford for that. That's an impressive performance. Build him a statue. Also, if you remember from last week's pod, 
you know, the Brighton, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't bet the team total overs after I talked about them on the pod over two and a half was plus seven, 10. The third goal went in. I, I just, I just threw my phone onto the bed. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. This was, oh man. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, wolves are 17th and expected goal difference like on, on earth too, where Jose saw just has like a mediocre season. And teams just like don't miss all their chances against Wolves. Like we're talking about Wolves in a relegation battle here. And it's yeah, funny to say that. A, like, I think they're going to be a popular relegation bet next year. Yeah, I mean, we're going to have all the unders, right? I mean, yeah, they, they're probably going to be. They're aging squad too. I mean, seven to one for relegation. Yeah. No, I think they'll be somewhere in there. More than that. I mean, a top eight finish. You got to think that they're going to be a little overpriced, right? Right. I'm thinking they might be like nine, ten to one. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I think they. Okay. Yeah, either, either way, I think they're just they're going to be the yeah, they're I mean, going to be the team that I think everyone's going to say as the the dark horse, the, yeah. perhaps the third team in with 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 Fulham and Bournemouth. Um, yeah, th- this year's Leicester. Right, right. Well, the good news is is we have a very short off season, so we'll be able to talk about them in July. Yeah. yeah so you know, Chelsea team total over two and a half is plus one seventy five here. Uh, that's just not good enough for me. Uh, if it got to like two two twenty five, then I'd be in, but that's just not what I want, and that's the only place I really look here. So I'm going to probably pass this match. Although I don't hate the idea of putting in a money line parlay. Like you said, Chelsea, like, yes, they only have one win in their last four matches, but I thought they were mostly fine in all the matches. Yeah. They just kind of got soccered and like they had been due for a couple of those. Yeah. And, and situationally too, like, it's just, you're, you're talking about some, some, a really tricky kind of one, two step uh, in the Northwest with, with Manchester United who needed to stop the bleeding and then Everton who are fighting for their lives. And, uh, we'll talk about them later on. Um, the team that isn't fighting for their lives anymore is Watford. They're plus 475 traveling to Crystal Palace, minus 165. The draw here is 310. This is another 10 a.m. kickoff. In, in a weird kind of narrative thing, last last weekend we saw Norwich get officially relegated, Dean Smith relegated by the team that uh, canned him, and now we could see Roy Hodgson get relegated by his former team, Crystal Palace, if Watford comes away uh, rough out of that Palace match. They won't uh they'll be officially back down into the championship um i think the number is probably inflated on crystal palace here but like brentford it's the same kind of thing they, they're just so good at home they've and they've also just they've looked better on the road too they've allowed 1.05 expected goals or less in five straight matches and the teams they played are are not you know cupcakes leeds leicester saints arsenal and newcastle of course leeds you know they they're the favorite to get relegated between the three teams uh burnley everton and leeds now but their offense can still produce uh and then the other teams are all between uh fourth and 12th or so uh 13th so uh, it's been an impressive season and an impressive performance for palace a team that i don't think you can buy into the narrative of being on the beach and watford likely this is you know they their cup final was last week against burnley and they lost after being up one nil with with uh not much time left so i'm thinking about palace as the second leg in that chelsea money line parlay uh but i just haven't decided yet but it's 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 palace or nothing for me here it's it's tough to back this watford team no matter if it's on at home or on the road uh bj anything yeah uh i think this is going to be a very sleepy type match maybe a crystal palace one nil win i mean crystal palace you could say they have nothing left to play for but they're one of these teams alongside with brentford where finishing inside the top 10 especially in Patrick Vieira's first season, I think would actually mean a lot to their club. And I mean, Watford, I don't know if it's, it's not official yet. They've been relegated, but uh, it's once this round of matches is over, they will be relegated. But 
I, we've mentioned it. they've been criminally underrated under Roy Hodgson, especially defensively. Only, you know, they've allowed 29 goals off of 22 expected in his 14 matches in charge. So they're still allowing, you know, a lot of chances, but just not as much as teams have scored against them, essentially. Um, but, you know, Crystal Palace, not really that great of an offense, only one, only averaging 1.06 non penalty expected goals per match this year, which is 13th in the Premier League. You know, we talk about it all the time. Crystal Palace, one of the best defensive teams in the Premier League outside of the, the top three teams up there. I mean, they're only allowing a little over one non-penalty expected goals per match, which is fourth in the Premier League. Gets even better at home. 16 expected goals allowed in 17 matches at Selhurst Park. They also press at the third highest rate in the Premier League, and Watford is dead last at playing through pressure. I love both teams to score no, which is currently at minus 115. Crystal Palace... They're the both teams to score no champion of the Premier League season. And only nine of their 34 matches have both teams created at least one expected goal. I have the both teams to score no line projected at minus 154. So I like the value on minus 115. Anthony, uh, anything here? Roy, the Roy Hodgson Derby. Yeah, you know, it's kind of funny because Palace should have been relegated last year with Hodgson. They were they were one of the three worst teams easily. Uh and Hodgson seems to have used up all of his luck because now uh, they have been unlucky. Like BJ said, since January 1st, they've conceded about one and a quarter goals uh, XG per 90. They're allowing about 1.9 goals since then. That's insane. Uh, the defense has really not been that bad. And Palace has struggled to break down the lower tier size. We've seen that. Saw that in the Leeds match. We've seen them. Uh, I only project 2.24 goals here. And Palace is only allowing about 0.89 expected goals at home this season. So really all signs point to the under. I'm going to take the under two and a half. Now we'll talk about Brighton and Manchester United. Uh, Brighton, home underdogs to United, plus 185. Uh, Insane. Yeah, the Red Devils coming back at plus 155. The draw here is plus 240. I mean, United looked good against Brentford. And they, of course, like, they got the draw a couple of days before that against Chelsea. I think it's not gone their way. I think these odds would be flipped. Uh, we'd see Brighton as a home favorite over mighty, mighty Manchester United. Um, thankfully, United did get through those two games relatively well. And now we get to bet against them here at a good number on a team that looks to be back in form, man. Brighton, um, they are doing Brighton things once again after that was a six-match losing streak uh, in uh, the, the the dog days there of, of the late winter. So it, it's a pretty easy one for me here. Uh, give me Give me the Seagulls, BJ. You're wearing your Brighton kit. I think you're going to be on them, right? Yeah, wearing the Brighton kit. If you're watching the YouTube right now, you'll be able to see it. If you're not, go subscribe to YouTube right now. Okay. Uh, yeah, love, love Brighton. I mean, you talk about the fantastic form since the beginning of April, plus three expected goal differential, which with a schedule that's included Arsenal, Tottenham, and Manchester City. Manchester United over that exact same time frame, minus two point one expected goal differential, and allowing around one and a half expected goals per match. The last time these two teams met was maybe one of the more frustrating matches of the season, similar to like the Brentford Manchester United match. Brighton completely dominated the first half of that at Old Trafford. They won on expected goals 0.8 to 0.4. They outshot United eight to two. And then second half starts Ronaldo scores from outside the box. And then Lewis dunk gets a red card four minutes later. And the match just completely gets flipped on its head I remember, I'm pretty sure I had Brighton plus one and Bruno Fernandez scored in the 97th minute to cost me uh, a push there. So that was not fun, but we talk about it a lot. 
Brighton's ability to control possession and play through pressure is so crucial when they're playing bigger sides. And given how bad United have been in terms of pressing and ball control under Ragnick, I mean, they're 12th in the Premier League since he took over and passes per defensive action. Now they're going up against the fourth best teams in terms of average possession and offensive passes per defensive action. This is a no-brainer. Brighton, John Obet, even money at home against a United squad that has nothing to play for. I mean, they literally have nothing to play for. They, it's two matches left. They're both on the road. I, I can't imagine United getting up for this match. Well, Brighton, top 10 finish would be the highest ever finish for the club. So very, very important to them. So, yeah, Brighton, John Obet, and even money. Uh, Anthony, uh, are you coming with us here to the South Coast on the Brighton bandwagon? Oh, of course. I mean, you know, Brighton has a chance here to get in the top 10. Like BJ said, they have a chance to cash our 45 and a half overs, which we're hoping to get in. We need two more points. Uh, but really, I mean, BJ mentioned it. I make them a favorite here. I've got United slightly better factor in home field. Brighton should be favored. They're not. That's enough for me to play it, especially with the Seagulls. I, mean, I show value on them more often than not. Uh, and I bet them each of their last five matches, I believe. So let's make it six, baby. I uh, just one thing to remember was that last season, right in the beginning of the year when these two, this fixture took place, right? It was the Brighton home match against United. That crazy, oh my God. crazy, crazy they, match. They, United won the game after full time. It's never right. happened before in soccer. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was a fun they one. Brought the players back out to do right. the VAR, gave the penalty to United. Brighton also hit the post like eight posts, times. Yeah, there was a post, yeah. a hundred posts in that game. So um, what I'm trying to say is, is, there's some good karma coming Brighton's way in this, in this fixture here. Uh, let's move to Sunday. Now, like I said, no, no early uh, kickoff on Saturday starts at 10 AM. Uh, then the 1230 match between Liverpool and Spurs. And now a bunch of good games on Sunday too. Um, Arsenal minus two thirty, trying to keep Tottenham at uh, touching distance here. Uh, they're taking on Leeds, who are plus five thirty. The draw is plus three eighty. Uh, let's set up the relegation battle for you here. This match is taking place in London. Uh, at Arsenal. So Leeds 34 points with four games remaining. Burnley 34 points, four games remaining. Everton 32 points with five games remaining. Leeds also their goal differential, like it won't, it won't come into play. They have the worst, they're going to have the worst goal differential among these three teams. So they can't finish tied with um, whoever finishes uh, with them. It was what I'm trying to say. They'll lose a tiebreaker. So they're now the, the favorites to go down plus 160. Uh, Everton plus 190. Burnley plus 225. So in other words, it, it is like it's an, it's anybody's guess here. Uh, it just Leeds has a tough run in here with with Arsenal, Chelsea left on their their calendar. Uh, Brentford, I can't remember their fourth game, but um, it's it's hard to imagine this team, especially with the injury issues now going to Arsenal and setting up like they normally do. Like at some point, Jesse Marsh and Marcel Biesa, who, whoever is managing this team in this exact situation, you need to set them up not to lose, right? They need to get a point out of this game, but it's just not in their DNA. So I just don't know how that's going to work for them. Uh, I guess an Arsenal team that has everything to play for. Uh, it's a huge, huge match for the Gunners, the type of match that we've seen them choke at in, in the past. However, the signs do point in a different direction here. Leeds, they are um, struggling defensively. Once again, 2.06 expected goals allowed to Saints. 1.62 to Palace, who are not, you know, an offensive force. And then 3.01 to City. Those are their last uh, three matches. So, BJ, um, you're an Arsenal fan. This is a huge match for the Gunners. Do you think there's also betting value on, on your boys? I do. Yeah, I, I project a little bit of value on Arsenal spread, minus four and a half at plus 130. I 
I mean, listen, Leeds has been better defensively under Jesse Marsh, 1.44 expected goals allowed in per match in his time in charge, which is better than the two expected goals allowed per match under Bielsa. But you have to consider the schedule they've played under Marsh. I mean, they've played one team inside the top 10 in terms of expected goals for per match, and it was Manchester City this past weekend. Arsenal has done a fantastic job all season long, even if they haven't gotten the results of just beating up on the bottom half of the table. 18 matches versus the bottom 10 teams in the league. Arsenal has a plus 14.5 expected goal differential and are averaging 1.75 expected goals per match in those matches. Leads defensively against the top six, almost 30 expected goals allowed in 10 matches, including 2.7 to City this past weekend. The, the reason Arsenal has had this big resurgence, basically it started on December 11th when they beat Southampton 3-0. It's been their ability to play through pressure. Since that date, they're fourth in the Premier League in offensive passes per defensive action. So playing a team like Leeds who, yeah, they're not going to pre- press at the frenetic pace that they did under Bielsa, but still, it's in their, like you said, it's in their DNA. They're still going to try to press and go forward. And Arsenal's ability to control the possession – play through that type of pressure, I think it's going to be huge. Tomiyasu being back is obviously huge for Arsenal. He is, I think he picked up a little bit of a knock. He is questionable for this match, but I think this is a huge match uh, for a lot of reasons, uh, especially when we know the Liverpool uh, Tottenham result from Saturday. So I am taking Arsenal minus one and a half at plus 130 because I do project value on it. And the rele- I mean, the relegation fight is very interesting, but this match is going to be incredibly interesting depending on what happens in Liverpool and Tottenham. Um, yeah, so so Arsenal will have the luxury of knowing what uh, Spurs did on Saturday. Leeds will also have the luxury of knowing what Burnley did uh, on Saturday, which was, which was what made that Everton match on Sunday just torture. I think Peter Jury put it perfectly when he's like, it almost hurts to watch. And he was right. Um, Anthony, uh, Arsenal... Not your favorite team, not like Liverpool. Uh, do you see betting value on either side of this game? Yeah, I'm going to take Leeds plus a goal in a quarter. I disagree with BJ. Uh, I am. I think I'm just higher on Leeds than BJ is because uh, based on the last few weeks uh, of, of betting patterns, um, he had Palace, I didn't, and then I had Leeds against City. That didn't go too well, but I thought Leeds were actually pretty good against City for large stretches of that match. They crumbled late, set pieces did them in, uh, but Arsenal not – generally a great set piece team. I know they scored twice off set pieces against West Ham, but I think Leeds defensively, if they can sure up the set piece issues, you watch them and you can just tell that they're significantly more solid at the back. And the press is just different. They're, they're playing more of a defensive press. Uh, they're going to let Arsenal have the ball. And I think Arsenal, you know, Niketi has been impressive, but I'm just not sure how long I'm buying this. And I think I'm, I'm going to look to sell the Arsenal attack here and what should be, uh, you know, I, I have Arsenal favored by about a goal. So I'm going to take the goal in a quarter plus 1.25. And if you look at, you know, Niketia, like I said, he had this, you know, burst onto the scene. Well, this is the time when I want to sell him. And if you're not buying Niketia's shots in this Arsenal attack, there's not much left from shot production to make up for it for them to get margin against a team like this. So I'm fading them. I did not think they were particularly impressive against West Ham. So, uh, you know, I think, you know, they're riding a little high now. Uh, time to sell again. All right. Uh, another Sunday match, this one with far less at stake than Arsenal and Leeds is Norwich City plus 350, already been relegated. West Ham minus 125. They have a Europa League 
semifinal second leg against uh, Frankfurt on Thursday. So tough spot for him, them here. They're odds on minus 125. The draw here is plus 265. I, I mean, I have no betting interest in this game, but if I had to choose uh, the, the side that I think has the most expected value, it, it would be Norwich just because uh, it's, I'm not laying it with West Ham in the spot and the fact the way they've been playing and Norwich should play loose uh, and there's no pressure. We see teams in the spot. They, they will nick a win or two down the stretch. So I'll be passing here. BJ, this is probably the most in, uninteresting game on, on the docket. Anything for you? Yeah, I, I do have projected value on West Ham. I have them at minus 146 on the road. So minus 120, getting uh, about 25, a little over 25 cents of value. I, we are recording this on Wednesday night before the Thursday Europa League matches. I want to see what happens to West Ham in Frankfurt because there's a couple of scenarios where if they win, well, they could just tank this match and say, we're just going to use this as a tune-up for the Europa League final. If they lose, well, they still have an outside shot of finishing top six, um, which I do believe would be important for them. So I really want to see what happens in that Thursday match, but I mean, yes, you could say, yeah, Norwich, they've already been relegated. They're playing loose. I think it's going to be a very somber situation at, at Carroll Road on, on Saturday. And this Norwich team, we can go through stat after stat after stat about how bad they are. But defensively, they as of late, they have been really, really bad. Last eight matches, they haven't held an opponent under 1.9 expected goals in any of them. It's really bad. And West Ham, we've seen some resurgence. We've seen some life offensively. I think Jared Bowen's really started to get back into form. So I do have some value on West Ham. And uh, if they lose to Frankfurt on Thursday or they don't go through, I think they'll take this match a lot more seriously than if they uh, somehow pull uh, that tie away from Frankfurt. So do you have some projected value on West Ham? I do like them at minus 120 against the worst team in the Premier League. So uh, that's where I'll be going uh, unless they somehow end up winning against Frankfurt on Thursday. All right. And now another match on Sunday morning. This one, a lot more at stake. Oh boy. Can't wait to talk about it. Uh, Leicester city plus plus one forty at home. They also have a uh, European night on Thursday against Roma one, one in their first leg. Uh, so a big one there for them in the Europa conference league, Everton plus plus one ninety five. The draw is plus 235. Like I said before, Everton trailing Burnley and Leeds by two points with a game in hand and, and what should be a more manageable schedule down the stretch. They got Leicester uh, and Watford away, Brentford Palace at home, and then Arsenal away at the last game of the season. So uh, still uh, not the easiest of journeys here, and it hasn't been, but it does look like this Everton team has shifted the way it, it was you could start to see the stuff bubbling in that United game, actually in that Newcastle game, and then the United game, and then the Liverpool game. They're just going to be hard to beat. That's it. They don't they don't care how they get across the line. They're just going to do it. And I think that makes them uh, a tough matchup, especially in this case for Leicester, because they've got nothing to play for, and they're going to be coming either off of a, a loss to Roma in a in a Europa Conference League semifinal or a win where they're then going to have to manage and look ahead to uh, the, the final. So the spot is bad for Leicester, but also if you look at the underlying metrics, the there's really not much of a difference between these two sides. In fact, Everton has the better expected goal differential on the season, a minus 0.3 expected goal differential per 90, Leicester closer to point, uh, 0.4. And by expected points, Everton 37 and a half, Leicester 34 and a half. I think it's a great spot, good value on Everton, a team that has proven that, 
if you do have that will and you will just outwork your opponent, it does make the job of getting three points a little easier. So I'm on the top piece here. Anthony, what about you? Yeah, you know, I think we have to wait for Thursday to see where Leicester is going to be because whether or not they win or lose kind of impacts how they may play out the rest of the season. Uh, Leicester are just, I don't really know what went wrong with this team this year. I think that's a really interesting thing I want to look more into as we get to the end of the season, but they did just play like two weeks ago. And of course it was a bit of a wonky game because Leicester scored super early and then kind of sat off a little bit, but Everton completely dominated the second half. Now, granted I was at home, but I just think, Look, Everton is not one of the three or four worst teams in this league. They shouldn't be getting relegated. I know you slack us down every time a result goes against them, be it a goal or whatever, and it's quite funny, but uh, I just still believe in Everton staying up. So I'm I'm going to lean that way, but I'm, I'm overall passing here. All right, BJ, uh, what about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm passing as well. I actually show a little bit of value on Leicester, but given the spot, the situation, given the fact they have nothing to play for, given that they're playing on Thursday, this is a pretty easy pass for me. The relegation fight is just so, so interesting now that Leeds has been brought back into it because if you look ahead to Leeds, they have Chelsea after this match, which who knows where Chelsea's going to be if we think they're going to – like. Like we think, if they beat Wolves pretty badly, they're going to be secured in third place. Are they going to take that match seriously? So it's it's interesting. And I agree with Anthony. I don't really know what happened to Leicester's defense. I think the loss of Johnny Evans might have been detrimental to them. They didn't really have much center back depth. But, I mean, this Leicester attack is still very lethal with, with James Madison and company. So it wouldn't shock me to see them go up early again and try and sit off. So um definitely will be playing Everton though if if Leicester scores first but I mean another fantastic spot here for Everton to get out of the relegation fight with Burnley and Leeds underdogs in in their matches as well yeah I think uh this is an interesting situational spot for Everton they've been they've been managing the minutes of players like Fabian Delph and Yuri Mina I think Frank Lampard has basically said they want Mina for the for the, the must win kind of game. So I think, you know, you talk about the games at home, maybe the Watford game, uh, but it does seem like, you know, with a week off, he should be back and, and he makes the defense just so much better. Uh, we've, we've talked about that all season long with Everton and he should be in. Um, so it, it does. I think there's enough here to, to back Everton at, at, at two to one or close to it. Uh, the final game on the premier league calendar for this weekend is city minus 600 against Newcastle 14 to one. Uh, on the road, the draw here is seven to one. The reason I actually think that the money line parlay between Spurs and Newcastle is a little interesting is that if let's just say Tottenham pulls it off, right? They win, then then Pep can kind of manage his squad a little bit, coming off of just an epic collapse against Real Madrid over over the midweek, right? So if if he sees, let's say he sees Spurs win, he could say, okay, this is all of a sudden, yeah, you want to put the separation between you and, and Liverpool, but it's not, it's not a must win anymore. Um, so that's why I do think it's like a little interesting here because uh, you could see this Newcastle number plummet if uh, Pep does go that route, if, if, if Spurs do pull it off. But um, either way, it's, I mean, it's new, the Newcastle numbers is sort of tempting because of the hangover from Real Madrid here, but uh, it's, it's tough to, to go against city with the way they were playing going into that, that Real Madrid collapse. Uh BJ, anything for you here? Yeah, I'll probably end up passing. Don't hate City to win nil. Uh, Newcastle, since they've uh, since Eddie Howe has taken over, they've essentially played 
three big six sides over that time. They created 0.6 against Tottenham, 0.2 against Chelsea, and then 0.2 against Liverpool this past weekend. So the offense clearly is not up to scuff to face off with some of the elites in England. I mean, I don't really see any other way than going other than City winning here. Both teams score no, has been priced out of the market. It's already at minus 175 and climbing. So that doesn't have any value. But outside of betting, I'm just very interested to see where City's heads are going to be at going into this match. I mean, we can see Pep rotate some guys, but having that epic of a collapse, essentially having a two-goal lead going into the 90th minute, I mean, that's that's got to mess with your mind a little bit. Now you got to refocus in a huge title race. It's I don't know. I don't know as a player how you can refocus that. But then again, the matchup against Newcastle is a good one for them. They can't play through pressure. City's going to control a ton of possession. Um, so, yeah, this is an easy pass for me. But I'm very interested to see how City comes out and how they play after the collapse. Anthony, uh, anything here for you, uh, Newcastle, City, before we get into the rest of Europe? Yeah, you know, I would lean towards City shutout win as well. Uh, I just think BJ kind of stole my stat here, but they just have not created when they've gone up in class. And even under Howe in general, I mean, they've created less than one expected goal per match, yet they've had this insane winning run, and they're due to regress offensively quite a bit here. And I do expect, uh, you know, City won't have Kyle Walker, which I don't like. This defense is just not quite as good without him. And, you know, we could talk about the collapse, but he wasn't on the pitch for the last two goals or three goals uh, after he had to come off with the injury. So, yeah, they're, they're I just don't know where City's going to be. So I may end up passing here. But if you wanted to do a City shutout win and then, you know, put that in a parlay with Chelsea, uh, it would get you to plus 120. So maybe that's where I'll end up throwing some pennies around to have some more action down. But uh, I think I've done one parlay all year. Uh, so. Yeah, probably not going to do it, but we'll see. I do like the spot. I think you're getting a home city spot and you're getting a home Chelsea spot against two very overrated attacks and teams in general with Wolves and Newcastle. All right, let's move to the Bundesliga then. Uh, BJ, we'll start with you, your favorite bet in Germany. Yeah, I'm going to go with one of our favorite teams. Mines draw no bet at even money on the road at Hertha Berlin. This is, we're getting into the territory now with a lot of these lines in every league where we have motivation lines. Herder Berlin is trying to secure uh, safety for next season, get themselves out of the relegation fight. Mines has nothing left to play for. They're comfortably in the middle of the table. But given the underlying performances of these two teams, it's so drastically different, and it shouldn't even be close to a pick em. Overall for the season, Herder Berlin, minus 21.7. Expect a goal differential. Mines is at plus 5.3. This is such a good matchup for Mines for a number of reasons. First off, they're fantastic pressing team number top four in terms of passive per defensive action, high turnovers and pressure success rate. Hertha Berlin is the worst team in Germany at playing through pressure. Secondly, mines number one team in Germany at preventing big scoring chances. Hertha Berlin has created the third fewest. Finally, Mines third best set piece defense in Germany. They've only allowed six goals and 9.4 expected goals off of them this season. Hertha Berlin is a very reliant team on set pieces. 11 of 35 goals have come off of them this season. Last time these two teams met, Mines completely dominated them. 1-4-0, 2.6 expected goals to 0.5, 33 shot creating actions, just six for Hertha Berlin. I make Mines a minus 101 road favorite. So getting them drawn no bet at even money, I think has tremendous value. I'm with you on Mines. I'm going to take the money line. Don't really need to repeat all uh, the points you just made, but this is a team that, 
we just have been enamored with all season for good reason. Uh, and plus 180 is, is a good number here against a relegation fighter. Anthony, what's your favorite bet in Germany? Yeah, that's another one. I mean, Wolfsburg against Köln. Köln is minus 160. I mean, BJ, what's your number here? I'm, I'm actually curious. I didn't look, but. I got Cologne plus 120. And I have them plus 110. So like one, what earth are they minus 160? I get it. Like they're chasing Europe. They have a good chance at the Europa League if they win this match. But if you look over the course of the season, Cologne's been marginally better, but they've they've been on an unbelievable winning run now uh, in, in the Bundesliga. And so now you're kind of getting to the top of the market and you're even, you're, you're like above the top of the market with this team calling. I mean, they've won the four in a row. Credit to them. They played well, but minus 160 at home against a, a good Wolfsburg side who's underperformed all year, who has a positive expected goal difference despite sitting in 13th. Yeah, I'm going to take the Wolfsburg plus one. All right. Uh, that wraps up Germany. Let's move to Italy, Syria. Ah, Anthony, favorite bet. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Italy now. You know, I just love this league. Uh, I'm going to take Milan and Verona under two and three quarter goals at minus 110. I mean, Milan has really tightened up the defense. I got to give them some credit. Uh, I've been saying for a while they've been overrated in attack and they've been due to regress and they've come down to earth and they've regressed. I mean, they have not been scoring goals. They stole a second goal against Lazio, but otherwise zero against Bologna, zero against Torino, two against Genoa, one came in the 90th minute, zero against Inter in the Coppa Italia semis, and then one against Fiorentina. So they have not been scoring, but their defense has been excellent. I mean, they they kept seven clean sheets in a row, which is pretty impressive. And normally you'd say, okay, they're due to regress here and probably concede a couple of goals. But Verona has been one of the biggest overperformers in all of Italy this year. And so I just think this is going to be a very tight game. Milan struggles to break down you know, teams right now. They're just not creating a lot of chances. And Verona... I don't think they're going to threaten much on the counter at home here. So I'm going to take the under two and three quarters. I think this is a one, 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 zero, two, you know, one, zero, one, one kind of game where Milan's going to be dragging it out again. So I'm going to take the under BJ. Do you have anything for us in Syria? Uh, Yeah, I'm going to take another under Torino Napoli under two and a half goals at even money. I mean, this is two of the best three defenses in Italy. I mean, both these teams, have really nothing to play for. I mean, Napoli's pretty much out of the uh, Serie A title race. Torino's comfortably in the middle of the table. But both these teams are allowing under 0.85 non-penalty expected goals per match. They're both conceding under 0.65 big scoring chances per match, while both teams offensively are outside the top seven in big scoring chances created. There has to be some regression coming for Napoli matches. I mean, this is an overarching story in Serie A. Maybe it just will never happen this season. Hopefully we'll get that value next season and we'll start cashing some of these unders. But I mean, Napoli, their last seven matches, there has been 29 goals scored off of 17.9 expected. That is insane. Torino matches this season have been pretty low scoring only around 2.34 total uh, goals on average. So both these teams are top five in terms of preventing progressive passes and dribbles. They're also top five at defending set pieces. It's going to be very difficult for both these offenses to create anything of quality. I only have 1.8 goals projected for this match. So getting under two and a half goals at even money, I think is a little insane. So I love the value on the under. All right. uh, We'll do La Liga now. I I like Atletico Madrid plus 135 against Real Madrid. I mean, it's, it's a spot thing. (laughs) Real Madrid might even, it's a derby. I know it, but they've won the league. There's probably still going to be partying after what happened today against City. It's really hard not to back at Letty, even at it, even as a, a pretty 
decent home favorite here. I think plus 135 is where it'll end up. Um, Anthony, anything for you, La Liga? Yeah, I'm going to go back to the Barca train. I mean, they've kind of fallen off a little bit lately. They have not been playing their best in the last few weeks. They kind of are sputtering again. And I think they ran a little too hot, a little too quickly under Xavi, and it was always going to be a slow build to improvement. And I think they became the public's favorite team because they smashed a couple of uh, high-profile sides, namely Real Madrid. Uh, So I think now we're getting down to where they're cheap again. And a plus 120 against Real Betis, who's chasing top four and I think is inflated because of it, I'm going to fade them. I'm going to take Barca. I really like the matchup. Batiste is a strong offensive team. Generally, they are due to regress a little bit, but they're a good attack. But they're so reliant on having the ball that when they go up in class against these better sides who control possession, they're just not great on the counter. Like you'd see a team who, uh, you know, who has the attacking numbers that they do. And so I'm going to take Barcelona plus 120 uh, on the money line, even though on the road, I think they should be odds on. BJ, anything for you here? Yeah, I have maybe the least stakes match of anything in Europe's top five leagues this weekend. Espanyol taking on Osasuna. This is one of my favorite, uh, my patented set it and forget it. Set your notification for this match. Don't watch a second of it. And let's hope that we only get one notification and that's the final whistle for 0-0 because I'm going both teams to score no at minus 115. These are two really bad offenses. Espanyol has been dreadful despite having one of La Liga's best goal scorers, Raul de Tomas, who has 15 goals this season. They're 13th in expected goals, 15th in big scoring chances. Osuna have dipped in form defensively a bit late, but they're still a top five team in La Liga in terms of expected goals. Allowed both teams to score no for Osuna have been a complete safe haven and only nine of their 34 matches have both teams created at least one expected goal. Same thing can be said for Espanol. Only 10 of their 34 matches have both teams created at least one expected goal. The last time these two teams met incredibly boring zero, zero draw only 1.5 expected goals created. So I'm expecting something similar again, set your notifications. Don't watch a second of this match. Both teams just score. No, at minus one fifteen. All right, let's quickly go to League Un before we get to our underdogs uh, and then best bets. Uh, Anthony, let's start with you. Yeah, I mean, another good spot where we have an overvalued Monaco chasing top four. They get juiced up because of it. And look, Lille's had a bad season, but they're still the better team. No? Like, how is this line, right? How is Lille catching a half a goal at home when they've been the better team based on expected goals? I know what the table says, but I don't care. Uh, Lille, the table is, is crap. Uh, Leo plus a half at minus 115. Easy money there. I shouldn't say that. Leo plus a half minus 115. Very undervalued. No such thing as easy money. Except <laughs> except, know, except Spurs next Thursday. I, I appreciate that, uh, Anthony. That was very mature of you. Uh, BJ, anything for you here? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay in that same match and take the under, which is uh, at plus 105. Under two and a half is at plus 105, which I think is insane. Again, two of the best three defenses in France. Lil is going to be without Renato Sanchez and Beric Yelmaz. So I'm guessing they're going to play a little more defensive than they usually would. The Lille defense this year, almost more impressive than it was last year. So we've gone now before the match against choice this past weekend, where they lost three, nothing got two red cards and allowed three penalties. Uh, they had gone nine straight matches without allowing over one expected goal. They've also gone now because penalties don't count as big scoring chances. They've gone 13 straight matches without allowing a big scoring chance. That is insane. And Monaco, number one defense in France by expected goals, only allowing 0.87. 
non-penalty per match. They're also the number one pressing team in league on by pass per defensive action. They force the third most high turnovers, but they don't do anything with those high turnovers. They're 13th in shots off of those high turnovers. So it wouldn't shock me for Monaco to hold 60% possession in this match and just do absolutely nothing with it. So I'm expecting something very low scoring, not a lot of high quality chances being created. So give me under two and a half goals at plus one Oh five. All right. Speaking of easy money, how about the underdog parlay? Uh, we'll give out our three favorite underdogs across Europe and tell you what the parlay is. If you wrap them all together, once again, came close over the weekend. Um, Brentford of all teams, let us down, but we're on, we're on a little bit of a roll here in terms of actually these, these come cashing at, at a much higher clip. So maybe due for a little bit of regression, but not until we hit the three legger, uh, I'm going to start Spurs six to one over Liverpool 1230 on Saturday, uh, Tottenham is the fourth best team in the Premier League, maybe tied with Arsenal. Very tight there, right, uh, BJ? But the key here is that you're getting the fourth best team in the Premier League, one of the best 10, 15 teams in Europe at 6-1 to one odds against a team that has played a ton of soccer uh, over the past month plus. Their 11th, this will be the 11th match in 35 days for Liverpool, a team that just played a, uh, a highly emotional second leg against Villarreal in Spain, traveling back here for a Tottenham team that has it all to play for in uh, the race for the top four. So I always say it on the show, there are just some numbers or or some teams that are just too good uh, to pass at a number like this. And Spurs certainly tick that box at six to one. Anthony, your favorite underdog. I was tempted by Leo, but I'm going to go Wolfsburg plus 420. Probably going to play Leo too, but my official pick is going to be Wolfsburg. The fact that we're getting plus 420, when they should not be, they should barely be underdogs in the match. You know, it should be about plus two thirty ish. That is insane to me. And so I'm going to bet Wolfsburg at plus four twenty, and then I'm going to fade the narrative that a team is going to just all of a sudden become amazing because they must win a match, which history suggests, you know, teams in relegation battles tend to have bumps in their performance. So that maybe you could argue is warranted, but chasing these already pretty good teams, trying to get into these better positions has not been a profitable venture when you bet the numbers. So uh, we bet numbers here, plus 420, happy to bet it. And uh, I feel good about this week. I didn't jinx last week, by the way, for the first time all year. BJ? I don't know if I want this parlay to hit now you've taken uh, Tottenham, but I'll go to (laughs) Germany. Uh, Union Berlin plus 285 on the road at Freiburg. Something very interesting happening in Germany right now. The battle for the fourth place spot is up for grabs. Freiburg is currently sitting in fourth, one point lead over RB Leipzig after they lost to Gladbach on Monday. So you're getting a little bit of a bump in Freiburg here, which I mean, I'm not really understanding. I mean, they've been pretty bad from open play all season. They've been overvalued all season long, but especially from open play, only 1.1 expected goals per 90 minutes. But I mentioned a couple episodes ago, they are by far the best set piece team in Germany. 19 goals scored off of set pieces. Union Blend, not only a top five defense in terms of expected goals allowed and big scoring chance allowed, they're also the second best defense against set pieces in the Bundesliga. Only 7.1 expected goals allowed off of them this season. Union Blend been really good offensively as of late as well. Eight expected goals created in their last five matches. They still have an outside shot at finishing in a Champions League spot. They're only, I believe, three points behind Freiburg with two matches left to go, so they could still get up into fifth place for a Europa League spot. It's it's a tight race for that top seven there in Germany. So 
Uh, I have Union Berlin projected at plus 217, so getting some value on them at plus 285. Another team that's treated us very well there. Uh, so yes. Spurs, Wolfsburg, and Union Berlin wrap those three teams together, 140 to one. Uh, the parlay pays off. Feel pretty good. Yeah, I do feel pretty good about it too. I don't. Um, all right, BJ, you start with the best bets here, your favorite bet in the Premier League for the upcoming match weekend. Brentford plus 125 at home against Southampton. I have Brentford projected at minus 113, so showing a little about, bit of value on them. This is a form type of bet. So Brentford been in incredible form over their last eight matches, plus 2.9 expected goal differential, while Southampton, over their last nine matches, they have a minus seven expected goal differential and are allowing around 1.7 expected goals per match. Also, Southampton defensively been trending in the wrong direction. Second half of the season, 17th in the Premier League in expected goals allowed. This is also a home road splits type of match. Brentford outstanding at the Brentford Community Stadium, around a five expected goal differential, while Southampton around a minus eight expected goal differential on the road. So I love the bees at home to get all three points at plus 125. I'll go next with a homer pick. Everton, uh, plus 195 against Leicester City. It comes down to this. Um, it It's a great spot. Leicester City will be playing a European semifinal on Thursday. Then we'll have to play Everton on Sunday in a match that means nothing to Leicester in the Premier League. Everton, meanwhile, still fighting for their Premier League lives, coming off of an impressive loss, I guess, in terms of team spirit against Liverpool, backed up by an impressive win in terms of both team spirit and the victory uh, against Chelsea at home. And if you look at these two teams, their underlying metrics are really not that far off. In fact, Everton's are better, uh, minus 0 0.3 uh, expected goal differential per 90 on the season. Leicester City is negative 0 0.37. So Everton, a team that is three points better by, or I should say three expected points better than Leicester City by understats metric. As a decent underdog here in a great spot, screams value to me. So I'll be taking the Toffees as my favorite bet, plus 195 to get the job done and continue their march towards Premier League survival. Anthony, what's your favorite bet? Yeah, I'm taking both teams to score and over two and a half goals at minus 105 in the Liverpool-Tottenham match. Spurs created three and a half expected goals in the last meeting between these two teams. And I understand that Liverpool had... They didn't have Van Dyke and they had a couple of backup midfielders in there, but I think the pattern that had been established under Antonio Conte makes them very effective at playing against teams who press high up the pitch, who are willing to take chances. And that's exactly what Liverpool does defensively. They are going to pretty much bet they're going to outscore you and they probably will outscore Spurs in this match, but they take a lot of chances defensively. Like I said, they play the high line, Kane drops in. And he's able to find Son in behind, especially the channel between Alexander-Arnold and Van Dyke or Matip or Kanate, uh, whoever ends up playing on that right side. I think they're going to have a lot of success there. And we've just seen this Liverpool team, when they played better attacks, they've conceded goals this year. They just have outscored a lot of their best opponents. I do think they will win this match, but both teams to score in over two and a half is undervalued at minus 105. All right, uh, that does it for another episode of Wonder Goal. For BJ Cunningham and Anthony DeBundo, I'm Michael Leboff. We will see you again on Monday morning.